This episode is brought to you by Vital Farms. Isn't it bullshit to have to question where your food comes from? At Vital Farms, you can trace your pasture-raised eggs all the way back to the source, the pasture. On the side of each pasture-raised carton of eggs, you'll find the name of the farm where your eggs were laid. And when you look the farm up on their website, you'll get a peek at all the sunshine, fresh air, and open space the hens enjoy. Learn more and find out where to buy them at vitalfarms.com. Vital Farms, keeping it bullshit free. It's time to say goodbye to hold music and say hello to fast customer support with Service Cloud. With trusted AI and data working together, you can skip long wait times and deliver efficient, personalized service right away. All while keeping support costs low and more customers happy. Reimagine your customer support with the number one AI CRM for service. Learn what's possible at salesforce.com slash products slash service. I'm Jason Palmer, one of the hosts of The Intelligence, The Economist's daily current affairs podcast. The Economist's award-winning shows make sense of what matters, from our special series on China's president to our weekly podcasts on business, technology, and American politics, our journalists provide fair, in-depth reporting on the events shaping the world. Search for Economist Podcasts Plus and sign up to our free one-month trial. This episode is brought to you by Clavio, the platform that powers smarter digital relationships. With Clavio, you can activate all your customer data in real time, connect seamlessly with your customers across all channels. Guide your marketing strategy with AI-powered insights, recommendations, and automated assistance. Deliver experiences that feel individually designed at scale and grow your business faster. Power smarter digital relationships with Clavio. Learn more at Clavio.com/Spotify. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com/Spotify. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the credit card created by Apple. It gives you unlimited daily cash back that you can now choose to grow in a high-yield savings account that's built right into the Wallet app. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone and start growing your daily cash with savings today. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings is available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility requirements. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Welcome to the HCI family of podcasts, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Welcome to the podcast. In this podcast episode, I talk with Peter Raybar about why transparency from the top down is extremely important to company morale. Peter Raybar, welcome to the conversation today. Glad to be here, John. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. You're joining us from New York. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about why transparency from the top down is so important to company morale. 
Um, this is a topic I love. I spend a lot of time thinking about this. It's a common problem. I see it in most organizations. Uh, and it's it's one of those things that I just feel like it's largely an, an avoidable issue. Yet it's one that so many organizations and so many leaders face. And uh, and so we're going to unpack all that and try to understand better how we can go about proactively creating a culture of openness, transparency to develop trust and really help everyone feel seen and heard and have an opportunity to contribute. As we get started, I wanted to share Peter's bio with everybody. Peter Raybar is a workplace legal expert who guides clients through the most important decisions of their professional lives. After almost 20 years of representing major international corporations and various clients in high-profile matters, including over a decade as chief employment attorney for a major global media company, Peter founded the Raybar Group, a boutique employment law practice based in New York City. Peter specializes in representing individuals, including C-suite executives, media personalities, and other professionals working in finance, media, sports, real estate, fashion, and tech. Uh, I could say way more about Peter's background, but I'm going to stop there. Peter, anything you'd like to highlight by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in? No, I, th I think uh, that was a pretty comprehensive uh, description. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay. Well, great. Let's dive on in then and just start with you know, the why behind transparency, why is this important? And maybe even before we get there, perhaps it's worth even taking a step back and thinking historically about transparency issues. Um, from my perspective, and from what I've studied, it seems like there's been a relatively significant shift in recent decades towards more openness, more transparency, whereas, you know, in previous generations, in the workplace, perhaps that wasn't even an expectation of employees to the extent it is today. Uh, is that consistent with with your understanding and your, with your experience? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's a really timely um, uh, uh, broadcast moment we're having here. I mean, we are recording this um, during a week where you know war is broken out uh, in the Middle East. We have college campuses uh, and workplaces, you know, battling with issues about how to communicate. And so what 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 is one thing that this this shows to us and and really it highlights this issue that you bring up of like what employees are expecting from their managers and, and corporate executives uh, when things happen, not just in the workplace, but in society. And so they want to hear from their bosses. They want to hear from their executives and leaders. And, you know, uh, frankly, from my viewpoint, leaders are paid to communicate and mm -hmm. have dialogues with employees and tackle difficult issues. Um, you know, uh, we have a dynamic where for years, uh, including through the pandemic, companies have said, give us all your time, give us all your commitment. Um, and frankly, Employees have been getting less and less back from their companies in terms of, you know, pensions, retirement benefits, career mm -hmm. training, et cetera. Uh, and, and now coming out of the, the crisis portion of the pandemic, we see employees really demanding so much more from their uh, employers and having a lot more power and exercising that in many different ways. And so what we have here. You know, we're at a moment right now where employee expectations of their uh, companies and their leaders are very high. And we have 
employers and managers who are struggling to find the right way to to meet it. Mm-hmm. And for me, when I discuss these issues with executives who I represent and work with, you know, the key issue as we talk about is trust. How do you build trust? One important way to do that is communicate. And they're struggling with how to communicate, how often to communicate, what to communicate, you know, what employees want to hear or don't want to hear. Uh, and my advice is always on on the side of like over communicating mm-hmm. and not just about good things, about difficult things too. Yeah, well, I completely agree. I, I think if you're going to err, err on the side of over communication. <laughs> and it's interesting though, so as you think about individuals who are in leadership roles, I think part of the challenge that organizations are facing and that leaders are facing is that there's a generational disconnect. Um, So we mentioned how things have shifted, expectations, you know, in the aggregate have shifted over the decades. Um, The the psychological contract between employer and employee has has shifted over the decades. And so if you have someone who has a really great track record of experience for decades in the industry, in the organization, you know, they may have very well come up at a time where communication, transparency just wasn't, you know, it wasn't the expectation, it wasn't the norm. And it, you know, I think a lot of leaders think they're being transparent, they think that they're communicating, they may even think they're over communicating. But in my experience, most of the time, most of their people feel like they're still lacking a ton of information, and they feel frustrated by it. And, and like you said, this really impacts trust. Um, Because if if members of your team feel like you're not being transparent with them, whether that's right or wrong, you know, if that's the perception, then it erodes trust and people start to fill in the the gaps mentally with, with areas, you know, where they don't have information that they think is important. And a lot of times, if you have people filling in the gaps themselves, it's not going to be in your favor. They're usually going to be, you know, coming up with um, nefarious intentions or conspiracy theories or like other negative things that are often way more negative than the reality. Um, but it's it's kind of human nature and water cooler talk and gossiping and all those things, people fill in the gaps. And so trying to find ways to, to open up your communication is always a challenge, I think, for everybody. But especially if you came up in a day when it just wasn't as much the norm I think the mindset shift can be really challenging. And again, I think there are lots of leaders with really good intentions who think they are communicating very transparently, uh, who even think that they're over communicating and they're just not in alignment with the expectations of their people. You make a lot of good points there. I mean, and, and I'll, and I'll say, you know, very simply, uh, there's a lot of leaders who are refusing to update their playbooks and in 2023, that's a very dangerous strategy. You know, sure, things have worked over time. Uh, and I'm not saying change everything about how you manage and lead, but you have to be open to change. And you have to understand, you know, uh, some of the things that you, you know, very uh, astutely pointed out there that, you know, there are, I think right now, four or five different generations in the workplace yeah. uh, simultaneously. That's very tricky. Um, that's very difficult. The youngest generation in particular poses challenges that we've never seen before. They have access to information 
that no generation of employees has ever had. And they're very open with sharing information, not only about the company and what the company is or isn't doing, but also about their own personal work situations. I mean, just think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, um, I'm Gen X, the the squashed (laughs) generation. We, we never talked about salary. You know, we, you know, uh, when I started a law firm, you know, our, our numbers were published in, in different law trades covering the industry, but we, we never talked about individual, you know, salary or bonus situations with our, with our colleagues, this, this newest generation, they talk about everything and include salaries. They have spreadsheets. Um, they have sites where they share this information, there are websites dedicated to providing that information to them. Uh, we have sources such as Glassdoor and others mm-hmm. where, you know, employers are in real time held accountable for for what they do, sometimes unfairly. I, I would say a lot of times unfairly, but sometimes fairly. Um, and so as a leader, you have to adapt to this. You have to adapt to the fact that your employees have almost equal access to information as you. So what are you going to do? Are you going to let them, as you say, are you going to let them just use it and form their own conclusions? Or are you going to shape your own narrative? And you you really have to use every opportunity possible to shape your narrative. So whether it's putting out a communication or holding out an all-hands meeting or responding to a crisis, whether it's local or regional or international, um, or even in one-to-one employee meetings regarding performance or terminating an employee or how you treat an employee when you turn all of these are moments where you're communicating not just with that one employee but with all of your employees you're sending a message this is how we value you or don't value you in some cases these are the values the company has and believes in and we stand by them you know and and as i said it's not always going to be it's not always going to be easy and 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 employees just, they don't want to hear only about the good things. They want to hear about the difficult things too. And and they're willing to accept difficult news. And so over the past couple of years, we've talked about, you know, it, what what are the downsides of communicating a, a unpopular return to work policy or something like that, right? And, you know, my answer has always been, if you've involved employees in the process, you've heard their concerns, you've considered them, you've balanced them against your business needs and how you do business, then whatever outcome you come out with, they're going to understand it. You know, as long as you explain it and it, and it has a rationale and they had a part of the process. So these moments come up every day, every minute now for, for, for uh, companies it it hasn't been this way because they've always had control. They've always had control of the message. They've had control over the information that just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And and I think some are under the, the illusion that they still have control. Um, and in some cases they do to some extent, because if they tight, but, but here's the issue. If they do still have control, it's only because they're hoarding, like they're becoming gatekeepers of information, hoarding information and that is like the worst case scenario in terms of uh, negatively impacting trust and morale and people, you know, attributing a nefarious intent towards, you know, a given leader. Um, it's just not the world we're in today. To your point, any younger person just about 
you know, has not only the skill set and access to a wide variety of information, but their their kind of baseline expectation level about how communication will occur and how they interact with their leaders has shifted. Uh, and so power via information control, in my opinion, is just not a great strategy in, in today. Like no. it, it may have been a viable strategy, you know, decades ago. But I, I just don't think in most cases that's going to be a viable strategy and you're going to ultimately undermine your own um, your own influence because you're going to erode trust. Uh, and, you know, again, as I think about younger people, younger uh, members of the workforce, sometimes they get, you know, the rap of kind of being the entitled generation or they're not willing to put in the, you know, grind and put in the work and pay the dues that older generations may have had to do or felt like they had to do in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there could be some truth to that, but largely, you know, I, I'm a university professor in addition to doing consulting work and going out and working with organizations and, and uh, you know, largely I'll, I'll tell my students, you know, these are the types of organizations you want to work for. These are the types of organizations or the types of leaders that are going to be effective. Um, we talk about, healthy organizations and we talk about toxic leadership and we talk about, you know, the types of things that will help organizations run more effectively and teams run more effectively. And so I would like to think at least some of this entitlement is really just a generation or two of workers who've gone through their educational system with a different playbook. They, they just understand like, these are best practices. These are the types of things that should happen. And when they don't happen, they're holding their leaders accountable. Whereas previous generations, a lot of times were just like, well, what am I going to do? So you just kind of, yeah, you just kind of deal with it. And, and the, the younger generation is just like, no, I'm not dealing with that. I'll go to a different place. And there's enough fluidity in the job market and enough demand uh, for labor and enough of a shortage that, you know, that has worked for them just fine. Yeah, the entitlement argument drives me crazy. And I, I hear that <laughs> all the time. I mean, every cocktail party I'm at, you know, with with executives or I was just at a, a, a conference, a tech conference last week where it came up a lot. Look, I worked with a lot of entitled people too when I when I entered the workforce <laughs> 30 years ago. I could tell you exactly, you know, what they said and they, you'd be shocked how similar they are to what people are saying now. I mean, you know, we used to mock the lawyers who would walk in day one and say, I want to appear in court and, you know, I deserve to do the deposition or whatever. And, you know, there were people like me and others who were sitting at their desk reviewing thousands of uh, boxes and documents because that's what first year lawyers do at big law firms. Um, you know, it the, the same issues exist. It's just you know, how do you manage people like that? And, and, and yeah, the, these people have more outlets for their frustrations and views. So they're more vocal about it. Right. I mean, when I entered the workforce, we didn't have social media. So the entitlement mm -hmm. was limited to the office mates and the water coolers and the cocktail parties. Now it's blasted over social media, you know, or different websites criticizing companies and yeah, you have to adjust to it. That this is your workforce, so you have to adjust yeah. to it. And I mean, you, many... we, the, the reality is it doesn't matter if they're entitled or not because it's right. the reality. So we got to figure out yeah. how we're going to work within this reality uh, effectively right. or we're going to become irrelevant and we're not going to be able to attract and retain good people from these generations of younger workers. Um, yeah. So again, and, it, and, and it language... doesn't need... Go ahead. 
language is very important. I mean, yeah. it, for for a leader to be making a statement like that, particularly publicly, I think is very, is viewed as very disrespectful mm-hmm. to employees, as it should be. I mean, y- yesterday or, or two days ago, Steve Schwartzman uh, at a conference in Saudi Arabia said people don't, quote, grind as hard when they work remotely. I mean, for the people in his company who at his firm who've worked remotely and worked really hard and probably worked nonstop all night, you know, that's that's got to be pretty dispiriting to hear something like that. And and like you said, in 2023, what are people going to do? They're not just going to like put their head down and keep working. They're going to look at other jobs. They're going to pick up the phone when the recruiter calls. They're going to mm-hmm. go update their LinkedIn profile and turn on the button that, you know, tells recruiters they're looking for jobs. Yep. There's things they can do. They don't have to sit there. And and that's that's what frustrates the employers. Like if they were really being honest, they would say, I'm frustrated that these entitled people just don't sit down and do whatever I tell them to do <laughs> that they, you know, they, they, uh, they pick up and move somewhere else. And maybe that, you know, and for an employee, that's, that's your test, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're as good as you say you are, is there another job for you? Is there someone who believes that if, you know, when clients come to me and say, well, I want to have this big conversation about salary i tell them well are you prepared to go somewhere else if it doesn't work out because you know some some managers may respond to in that way and say well if you can get x go get it i'm not going to stop you um but but the stigma of leaving a job or quitting or you know taking a stand is gone just totally gone you mentioned something a few minutes ago i wanted to zoom in on a little bit uh, and that is the, how transparency plays a part in employee voice. Um, and, and I think that's part of the DEI conversation. So if we're talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging within the workplace and trying to strive for that equality and equity in the workplace and to really understand your people, to understand their needs, um, you know, of course you would need to be listening, but what what's the role of openness and transparency from the top down uh, in creating that kind of a workplace and environment where you can, you, where you have the potential of actually better understanding your employees' needs? Well, employees want to be treated fairly and respectfully, and they value diversity of workforce, diversity of opinions, and they want their companies to have actual values in how they conduct their mm. their day-to-day business. And so, you know, it's important for employers to communicate that whenever they can. They should have a regular cadence for doing that, but they should also take any opportunity to communicate that where it exists. And we're we're in a time now where a lot of DEI programs are under chal- legal challenges mm-hmm. um, post the uh, Supreme Court's affirmative action decision last year. Um, you know, and companies, some companies are, I would say like hiding in the corner and hoping they mm-hmm. don't get, you know, called out and, and others are very affirmatively saying, Hey, this is what we stand for. And one of the things we stand for is having, you know, diverse representation in, in our, in our workforce. Um, and, you know, uh, I th- I think it's an important time if that's what you believe I think it's an important time for you to to articulate that as often as possible. And I think it's also an important time to not, you know, back down in the face of challenges, you know, from 
from some of these groups that are going after, you know, law firms and other other uh, programs with uh, diversity, uh, you know, recruiting or other efforts. Um, and then I would say it's also comes out and it should should be reflected in what you do as a company, like your actions. So, you know, uh, like if you if you believe in diversity and you're being challenged on your recruiting practices, we'll change your recruiting practices and in ways that will be compliant with the law, start recruiting at different schools, start, you know, changing your job descriptions, start, start changing your job requirements, you know, to, to help bring in different candidates and a, a more diverse uh, talent pool. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to go about it, but communication sort of is the common thread through, through yeah. all of it. Uh, and having a dialogue is really important and creating an environment where people feel safe having a dialogue with you is, is really important. Um, you know, it takes time and, and a lot of effort to establish that it doesn't just happen overnight. Yeah. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a magical thing. It's not a one-off. I think that's sometimes where leaders fall into the trap of thinking, Hey, I sent an email, uh, or I mentioned it in this all hands meeting. So we should be good. I'm like, no, you can't, you can't just, you know, things that are core values um, that influence a whole range of policies, practices, and procedures can't be a one-off. Like it has to be a constant part of the narrative and the dialogue that's occurring. Um, and you you mentioned it just a minute ago, the, the role of transparency and communication uh, is, is that it develops trust and it creates an environment of psychological safety where other people feel like they can voice concerns. So if there isn't openness and communication, if there isn't transparency from the top down, if you think you're just going to have people come forward and voice, you know, and push back and voice their concerns uh, around issues related to DEIB stuff, um, or just, you know, it doesn't even have to fall into a category of diversity. It, it just just my needs, you know, I'm a straight cisgender white dude. I don't really tick any of the diversity boxes, but I still have unique needs. I, my family has unique circumstances. And so it's nice to know when I work with an organization or for a leader that I can have those conversations with them uh, when mm -hmm. something comes up or I need some sort of an accommodation or something like that. And if, if you have a closed system without much communication, without really any transparency, Typically, you're not going to be getting that kind of communication upline, um, which means you're not going to probably be doing, unless you get super lucky, you're not going to be doing very well with your diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Right. And and some of it's just purely mechanical. Like, mm -hmm. are you providing real channels for employees to have a voice? Do they have input on major decisions? Do they have representatives who can raise issues do they do they have do you have a good hr team providing a safe environment for employees to come forward and do you have hotlines they can call do you have mental health support i mean that that's an area right now that i would say a lot of companies are just failing and flailing on how to how to uh, address but it it's so important right i mean and and it is something that employees are afraid to talk about and raise to their uh, employers. Uh, many, not all. Uh, so it, you don't want to miss these opportunities with your employees, which means 
you need to provide them with the op- the the channels to to raise these issues. You need to give them a real voice. If if HR is supposed to be that voice and that channel for employees, then let's make sure that HR is really acting in that way and not just viewed as you know another arm of of management enforcement. You know, which mm-hmm. is the I think unfortunately the the sort of de facto view that most people have of 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 or default view that most people yeah. have of HR. So, you know, are are you having one-on-ones regularly? Are you having small group meetings? Are you having all hands? Like these are all things that you know uh employers should be doing a lot of, all the time. And yeah, it takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. Doesn't there's no direct line item in the balance sheet for it, but trust me, it has a huge, there's studies that, that show yeah. the impact of, of, um, you know, improving work, workplace morale and addressing mental health issues and addressing physical health issues and, you know, um, and, and improving diversity and all, all of these elements. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has just been a really great conversation, Peter. Thank you so much for your time. I note the time and I need to let you go here in just a minute. But before we wrap up, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Sure. Uh, well, I really enjoy being here with you or being connected with you from New York uh, and, and Utah. Uh, I can be found uh, on my website, theraybargroup.com, on my LinkedIn uh, profile, uh, which is under my name, Peter Raybar. Um, and, you know, you'll reach out and I'd, I'd love to chat. Uh, I, I deal with these issues exclusively, employment law, workplace issues. That's that's all I do. And um, I, I think my parting note is if you're a leader of, of an organization right now, this is these times that we're going through right now, this is why you're being paid the big bucks. Make the difficult decisions, <laughs> you know, do the right thing for your company. Think about the impact on your employees of acting or not acting. Uh, but really, it's time to be bold. It's time to be assertive. It's time to show, you know, why you're in the position you're in. And and if you're not willing to do it, you know, then it's time to pass the gavel on to or the leadership baton to uh, yeah. to someone who is because that's what employers are looking for. They're looking for leadership. Believe it or not, that's that's what they want. Yeah. Absolutely. Peter, thank you again. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Peter and his team can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe, and please join us again soon.